You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Alrighty, hello everybody. How's welcome, going, welcome, guys? welcome. Welcome to the pilot episode of Nerdificent. I'm Ify Wadiway. I am Danny Fernandez. Thank you for joining us. Yes, yes. And we're here to talk about uh, one thing that is synonymous with the word nerd. I feel like nerd and this has gone hand in hand and this is kind of what skyrocketed nerd culture to the uh, mainstream. Yeah, and that's what this show is kind of going to be about. You guys are going to be tackling different things in nerd culture that some of you might be aware of and some of you might not be. Yeah, yeah. And whether you're a old school vet rolling dice down in the basement or a new fan who just saw the hit movie, I'm calling it now, <laughs> Smash box office hit Black Panther. Of course. You're like, let's find some more. And now they're like, piece. I want to be a nerd now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have it all here. So uh, Dissecting everything in nerdum that we grew up with. Mm, and more. Maybe some of, the, some of that new nerd hotness, you know? Yeah, although I, I have a feeling you and I are going to trend towards a lot of anime as well. Hell yeah, that's then so I feel like some That tsunami lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make its way. But yeah, so today's subject is probably one of the biggest most popular mainstays within nerd culture, and that is the comic book convention. But if we're being super specific, we're talking about Comic-Con and the Comic-Con, as most people know it, which is the annual San Diego Comic-Con. And that's usually what people are referring to when they they say Comic-Con. Because it is the International Comic-Con, which means people from all over the world are flying to go to this specific Comic-Con. But before we get into that, let's break it down. What is a Comic-Con or what is it? Well, we all know Comic-Con or we may not. Don't want to judge anyone. Short for comic book convention. Yes. Yeah. A gathering of nerds. And now it's grown to hundreds of thousands of people that flock to San Diego. But uh, the original, actually, let's go back to one of the oldest sci-fi conventions ever. This was on record. So the oldest, the first recorded inner city meetup of science fiction fans was PhilCon. 
Mm. And that was in 1936. It was a small party of science fiction fans in New York. So that was the first one on record. That's according to Geeks Media. So all the way back in 1936, there were nerds. Yeah, I'd like to imagine that it was like just a, a party. Like, just like <laughs> where it was like, yo, we all nerds. We're coming in our in our sci-fi gear and we're going to turn up. You yeah, know? Like <laughs> with their like War of the Worlds or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so then we move on to the first recorded official comic book convention. Yeah. So that was 1964 in New York. Yeah, known as the New York Comic Con. It was held in July 24th of 1964 at the Workmen's Circle Building. It was a one-day convention organized by 16-year-old Bernie Bubness. Bubness, uh-huh. It was organized by 16-year-old. 16-year-old. Yeah, 16-year-old That's peak bu- nerd. Bernie, That's yeah. when you're in your peak nerdiness. Yeah, yeah. That's when you're your peak comic book collector. Yeah, that's when you have gumption to, like, do a whole convention. But it wasn't just him. It was also fellow enthusiast Rod Fratkin, official guest of the Tri-State Con, included Steve Ditko, Flo Steinberg, and Tom Gill. And the reports have over 100 attendees. Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah, that's good for back then. Oh, yeah. For but, a 16-year-old as well. I wonder if they charge people at the door. I mean, do you think little Bernie Bubness would think that he'd be able to add three zeros behind that oh, 100? Man. Like, Oh, so moving on, we have what we know as, which is uh, the San Diego Comic Con. So that was originally called San Diego's Golden State Comic Con. It was a mini con. So the first ever one was in March 21st of 1970. And the men that had put that together include Shell Dorf, Ken Kruger, and Richard Alf. So they were the original ones. They then later had another mini con in August of that same year. So they were doing they were doing like nice little mini conventions, kind of testing it out before they went big. Yeah, it was actually interesting. So the second con that they had, the one that was in August, they actually got Jack Kirby as a guest, and he's the man who created basically every notable Marvel superhero from Captain America to X Men. But they also had Fahrenheit four fifty one author Ray Bradbury, really? and this is a really interesting way that they got him there. So he actually gave a speech at San Diego State University, and Dorf and two of the guys that had put the mini cons together they attended and then they waited for him after his speech and they asked him if he would speak at their comic con and he said yeah sure for his normal speaking fee which was five thousand dollars which was roughly adds up to about thirty thousand today so he's like yeah sure i'll do it thirty thousand kids (laughs) and so they were like we can't do that they came up with a plan they essentially lied to him and said it was a nonprofit to educate the public about comics. And Bradbury was like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how the first original San Diego Comic Con came to be. Again, they were calling it the Golden State Comic Con. And then eventually in 1973 is when they settled on San Diego Comic Con. Oh, that's nice. SDCC that we know. Built on lies and deceit. (laughs) I think they've, I was reading about this story, which was in the Rolling Stone, by the way. And I think that they had said now they had to think of a way to make it nonprofit. Yeah. And Um, there are technically nonprofit till this day. Oh, really? Yeah, they're a nonprofit organization. So that is is what was the original San Diego Comic Con. And again, when, as if he said, when people say Comic Con, that is what they're referring to. However, we have kind of moved on to a specialization of cons. Conventions have spread throughout the country, yeah. throughout 
I mean, internationally as well, but here in North and to America. The seas too. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. But yeah, on, on the seas, there's like lots of cruise cons too. And I think it's that effect that happens when you have something grow to a certain point. It'll fork off and have its own genres within that genre. So you have like Doctor Who cons. Yes. You have like, you know, anime conventions specifically for anime. Which I have to stop you right there because Anime Expo, which mm-hmm. you and I have both have so many stories from, but yeah. Anime Expo is the largest North American anime convention. It is... Oh, I believe it. It's insane. I, You and I have been, like, the last couple of years. I go... I think I go for, like, an hour and have to give my badge away. It's, yeah. like, walking through. I've never been amongst that many people because the difference with... So Anime Expo actually takes place in Los Angeles, where yeah. San Diego Comic Con is a larger, acred, sprawling... What it's grown to now is it's a lot of outdoor restaurants and bars and interactive things, as well as inside the convention center whereas anime expo in la here is a lot of just everyone on top of each other in one singular area well that's been the the biggest thing which if you aren't aware there's a big argument within the congoers of moving comic-con to la versus having it in san diego and san diego just hands down has more space the reason this is is if you haven't been to san diego comic-con the convention center is down town right next to its like downtown area. The Harbor no, Gas no, Lamp District, which district. is downtown San Diego. Yeah. Yes. And it's also right next to the Petco Stadium. So yes. Comic-Con has had the ability to spread its wings and expand out into those spaces. And a lot of the people who show up at Comic-Con don't feel the need to have to be within the con because a lot of them are taking over. Like Adult Swim always has a huge area outside near Petco Park. You always have a lot of like Assassin's Creed Ubisoft would have like a whole obstacle course Mm -hmm. right outside of the con and then all of the bars and restaurants are branded so there's room to breathe it's not on top whereas LA LA is LA and there's always so much going on so you have the convention center and then there's probably a marathon going on they did that one year (laughs) where it was like an actual con and then also the LA marathon yeah also the area just doesn't have much like it's really just a whole bunch of like wannabe New York style buildings in downtown LA who don't give a damn about the con. And then you have the Staples Center area, which if they don't have a game, kind of tries to take that place. But I remember one year there was Anime Expo and across from the Anime Expos were the X Games. And I can't think of two <laughs> worse fandoms who is to planning put in a this? small Oh, the area. X Games and Anime Expo? Oh, yeah, it was all, well, yeah. you and I, I think we're texting each other because just to kind of put this into perspective, the line to pick up your badge was four to five hours yeah. to pick up your badge to get in. It was insane. Yeah, that's so, also bad planning. Yeah, you know? so this the 2017, just to top off this Anime Expo, 2017 numbers, over 107,000 warm and 357,000 turnstile, so like coming in now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, everyone was on top of each other. And Anime Expo also, for just talking about specializations mm-hmm. and cons, they go all out. So I would say the difference between them and say maybe San Diego Comic Con is, I think it's like 50-50. 50% of people are dressed up. 50% of people are just normal people yeah. enjoying it. Anime Expo, it's like 90% of people are dressed up. And that takes a lot of time to also go through security with like swords and helmets and all of this stuff. So, And just to put that whole like bringing Comic Con to LA argument to bed, the numbers that you just said for Anime Expo, just remember that. So what were the numbers again? You said 107,000? So yeah, over 
over 107,000. Yeah. And then 357,000 turnstile. Yeah. So Comic-Con, they were saying that their last year numbers was 135,000. So if we can't even handle 107,000 without just having huge congestion, it just... Cause I don't know if you saw the picture of last year's oh, Anime yes. Expo, but you can't see carpet. You, no, if, yeah. Uh, overhead view, you just person see Person on people. top of person. So if we can't even handle 107,000, there's no way we'll be able to handle the amount of people. And that's people getting into the con, not to mention people who just go to San Diego Comic-Con just to hang out. So it's impossible. I do want to say that you know two years ago they did that poll in San Diego, and it was like, what would you rather keep, San Diego Comic-Con or the Chargers? Oh, and 100%. we saw how that went. Well, because San in- Diego does not not want to give up its con. It's, yeah. it's the one way they're making money. Yeah. You know, the Blackfish killed off the whole oh, SeaWorld sea World? thing. They, they lost that, you know, and, and soon we're coming, we're coming for the zoo. Look, you know, they, I'm, they... I'm working on Good Monkey, you know, and look, working title, Good Monkey. <laughs> it's about the way the San Diego Zoo is abusing monkeys and other no animals. Doubt. Working title. Con- continuing on with our, our, our specialization of cons, we also have Star Wars Celebration, oh, which is yeah. in Orlando. And D23, which is the Disney Expo that's in L.A. Now, something that's interesting with both of these is that what we've seen, so for the longest time, San Diego Comic Con was kind of the premiere for trailers. So oh, yeah. tra- so Marvel trailers that would drop, DC trailers that would drop, hu- these huge superhero comic book films. And what we've seen the last couple of years is Disney is like, you know what? We have our own convention, so we're going to air Infinity War at our own convention yeah. instead of at Comic Con. And I, f- I think that's really ballsy and also just shows you know, how much money a lot of these other their cons are making as well, where they kind of have spiraled off into something that's happening in Orlando or here in LA. Well, that's just kind of like the end game of the cons that, and I feel like one of the biggest problem with cons now, because we started from this, you know, this small con put together of enthusiasts by, you know, our boy Bernie Bubness. And, <laughs> and you know, like we, it was just for the passion of it. It was just, to, just trying to find like-minded individuals who want to come together. And now it's just, a hub for consumerism. It's a hub to get people who basically want to sell you things. And we'll get more into that after the break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year 
equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. So we left off on the note talking about the history of Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con specifically, which is the Comic-Con. I want to remind people just in case people are wondering. I mean, legally, we'll get into that, but legally it is the The (laughs) Comic-Con. Oh my goodness. Yeah, just wait for us to get to that. But yeah, it wasn't always as big as it was. And I kind of came into the world of Comic-Con when I was an adult. I was able to afford to drive down to San Diego myself buy a ticket and do that because there was no way I was going to convince my Nigerian father to ever spend money on anything that wasn't me trying to become a doctor or lawyer. <laughs> uh, but Danny, you you actually had a childhood uh, yeah. where you were able to go to Comic-Con. Well, my family's from San Diego, so when I was like 9 or 10, got super into anime, specifically Dragon Ball Z, and convinced my mom when I was about 11 to take me to Comic-Con, me and my brothers and a girlfriend of mine, because I was obsessed with the voice actors for Dragon Ball Z, which is a, a very popular anime. I was obsessed with the English voice actors. Th- those were the ones that I saw on television and that they had at Comic-Con that were signing. And so I had convinced her to take me. I can tell you a couple of things. One, probably not as expensive, or else my mom would not have taken my brothers and I as well. And two, it was definitely not as packed. Like, I just remember parts of the convention being kind of empty. Yeah. There was a, a section where a lot of the booths were that had the voice actors and I got them to sign like DVDs. So we can talk about parts of what the convention actually is. There's an area known as Artist Alley. Yeah, yeah. That's where a lot of independent artists and also artists that you will see that have worked on Nickelodeon projects, Marvel comic book artists, a lot of them will do commissions on the floor that you can pay for. They'll sign their artwork. They have a lot of fan art oh, yeah. there as well. Even in the comic book world, if you buy comic books near Comic-Con, you'll have 
comic book covers that are just blank so that you can take it to Comic-Con and get your own custom cover done. So, like, there's lots of, like, love for Artist Alley. What was that like back then? Was was it easier to navigate? I don't necessarily remember Artist Alley. I do remember the major companies still being there, though. Okay. So Funimation is the one that owns Dragon Ball Z, so I remember their booth, and they had VHS tapes back then. That was the thing to buy was anime VHS tapes and get the voice actors to sign it. But, yeah, I, I believe that they still had PlayStation, and, you know, I don't even know if Nickelodeon was there. Now Nickelodeon oh, yeah. has. So if a you go to Comic-Con now, yeah, Nickelodeon has a huge presence. They normally have an interactive, like, house that you can walk through. I think this yeah. past year it was Hey Arnold. I know that they oh, had yeah. people taking pictures with. But the year years prior, they've had, like, SpongeBob's Pineapple that you can walk through and take pictures with. Adult Swim, as Ify said earlier, normally has an area set up right outside of the con. Yeah. And they'll have, I remember they had, like, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force interactive thing. So they have a lot of these companies have interactive type of homes or whatever you might say. Yeah, and that's and that's what's so crazy is like to hear back to yesteryear Comic Con where it was just booths. It was and just, signings, and just booths signings. and signings. Yeah, and the closest and I, comics. Yeah, and the that closest you could buy. you'll ever get to that are the newer cons that start up that can't really afford or garner the attention of these huge media companies. Like I remember the first I went to the first Long Beach Comic Con. Now it's it's insane, but like before it was literally just you went into a convention hall and there was a booth that was damn near a combination of Artist Alley and smaller comic book shops that were reselling comics and just like other like smaller indie publishers but now if you walk the floor of comic-con what you're gonna see is it's almost gonna look like an amusement park because you've got fox wb like walking Walking dead Dead. takes up a huge part of it which is normally some interactive thing again this is inside the convention so you'll end up walking through some type of interactive zombie maze or something that's set up inside the convention unless you're me i don't do that (laughs) i don't go in it like i see the outside the outside's nice but i don't you have dc will have obviously a huge presence last year was wonder woman's 75th anniversary so they had a huge wonder woman exhibit marvel will have an entire marvel stage where some Sometimes they will bring the actors onto the Marvel stage. Oh, yeah. They'll also bring Marvel voice actors onto the stage. This is all within the convention. Yeah. So it's kind of, everything's happening at once, so it's kind of loud. It's oh, yeah. very, if you have claustrophobia, anything like that. you have like no that. cell phone reception. I want to, I want to, <laughs> if, you, if this thing. is the first year that you're going to a con, you somehow snag tickets, you're going to San Diego Comic Con. Don't bother bringing your phone. You will have no reception. There are too many people in one place trying to use the cell service, and it's trash. You you can only call. Don't think you're going to be updating your Insta and all that. You got to save it to your phone. You might as well bring one of those old school cameras. I, I guess I could have called it a disposable camera, but I feel like I would be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't mention the the huge thing that's known as Hall H. Oh yeah, and Hall H is a 6,500-seat showcase, essentially, for big projects. So when Ify was mentioning that this is kind of consumerism, Hall H is a section of Comic-Con that is very hard to get into. You either have to sleep overnight in order to get into it. Like, literally, people will line up two days before or a day before. You'll get a ticket if you're wondering of how this works while you're in line so that you can leave to go to the bathroom. Or if you are press 
And if you're special press, you have to have a password. I know because I got to go in last year. You have a password. So you not even with a press badge can you get in. It's a press badge plus a password plus you're on the list to get in. And Hall H is where they showcase everything. When you see the Justice League lineup of Gal and Ben Affleck and Ezra and Jason Momoa and all of them standing up there, that is at Hall H. Yeah. yeah whenever they have the cast of Logan or whatever, that's happening in Hall H. Yeah. Also, if you want here... I- I feel like a lot of people use podcasts to experience things that they feel like they might never experience. So here, close your eyes. If you're listening, I'm going to give you the Hall H experience. So so imagine you just saved up all your money all year and you and you actually were able to get a Comic-Con ticket. You and one other person, are, you're flying to San Diego. You get down to San Diego. You get, get down to your hotel that you're spending way too much money on. You might see Stan Lee in the uh, in the lobby. It's real. It's real good. And then you're like, I got to get to Hall H. So you instead of going around Comic Con and seeing the sights, you stand outside this door all day and all night, and you wake up. You go in and you watch a trailer, and then it's released thirty seconds online. <laughs> it's that so true. So, so listen. Last year they had released the Wonder Woman trailer in Hall H. It was a very big deal. I could not be in Hall H at the time. I was in my hotel room, and I literally watched it the same time as everyone in Hall H. I will say though that it is exciting to be oh, amongst yeah. your fellow nerds. When even when I got to go in. And I felt bad because people had spent the night there. But watching those people walk in, they were so excited. Like, they, well, they had yeah. won the lotto because they made it in. They were, like, jumping and dancing oh, yeah. on their way in there. So, <laughs> yeah, No, the, my version was the cynical one. But there but is, is something. But it, like, I've, uh, for example, been to a bar that was showing an eSports match. And watching it with nerds and cheering for teams together, it does add a whole another layer of excitement to it. And also, not only do you get to see the trailer, you get to be in the same room with some of the hugest celebrities that you've ever seen so yeah so So that is a phenomenon known as hall h if you ever hear someone refer to it yeah that is hall h and there's many other halls but hall h is the one you want to be in and if you're a host it's the one you want to be hosting in if chris hardwick can yeah (laughs) i was gonna say he is he's he's probably the designated hall h host he's the king but we touched on artist alley but i don't think we kind of explained it but i i feel like a lot of people might not know like you're hearing about all these different brands and all these cool things like well all those things sound cool why is it a problem why is artist alley being brought up and i think the problem is is as you're hearing us describe these huge attractions and these huge like different booths and set pieces on the floor at comic-con the thing you have to imagine is that takes up a lot of space and as it gets bigger the space for artist alley gets smaller and it gets pushed back further and further to the darkest corners of the con it's actually if you're not looking for it it's hard to find artist alley and that's a problem because if you're able to find artist alley because you're able to find artist alley you're going to go there no matter what what that means for people who might discover Artist Alley and might purchase some something from these indie creatives, uh, that means that you're not getting that much foot traffic. You're not getting enough people who are going to just be like, oh, this is a guy who does the art for a comic I like. Let me buy something from him. Instead, you're stuck in a cold – it's like right under the air conditioner. <laughs> it's in like – it really feels like you're next to the party because since it's – They're next to the bathrooms, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, they're next to the party. Uh, 
I mean, they're next to the bathrooms. <laughs> they're out and in also, the like, you hear the booming, distant sounds of like the exciting installations. And it really feels like you are indeed at the less cool part of Comic Con. And so you get out of there real fast. Well, that makes a good point. So, yeah, a lot of these companies are taking over the con where it's not so much, they call it Comic Con, but it's not really about comics anymore. In fact, this was a huge story this past year is that Mile High Comics, one of the U.S. largest comic book retailers, dropped out of Comic-Con, okay? Dropped out of San Diego Comic-Con after 44 years yeah. of being there. That was huge. Again, Comic-Con started to buy and sell comics, which you can still technically do. You can bring comics, and a lot of times they do do trades on the floor. Oh, yeah. So this was per Mile High President Chuck Rosensky. He said after 40 44 years of my supporting them through good times and bad, that was just too much indifference to endure. What he is referring to was a big mishap that happened between Mile High and Comic-Con when a Comic-Con contractor failed to deliver Mile High's comics. So... A lot of these vendors have to have things shipped in and they have to go through a Comic-Con contractor a lot of the times to get these things on the floor. So a Comic-Con contractor failed to deliver Mile High's comics on time and left them embarrassed and unable to assemble their booth. They were actually missing huge portions of their comics. So and this is not you guys, Comic-Con floor space is expensive. Expensive. Oh, yeah. Booths are expensive, especially now that you have companies like Fox, Marvel, Disney that can buy up the floor space. So a lot of these comic book companies are just not making the same amount of money. Also, a lot of people aren't going there to buy comics anymore, which was an issue. It just wasn't adding up for them. So he said, when you are in a relationship out of love and passion, but the other party could care less whether you live or die, you have to realize that it's time to move on. So Rosinski also noted that shifting demographics and the increased size of the convention had created an environment where he was paying for this large amount of money for essentially 70 feet of floor space Okay. But he wasn't getting the same amount of foot traffic. So people aren't going there essentially for comics anymore. So he so it was a, it was a big dent for them to be putting in the money when when people aren't buying comics and then when they don't even have their supplies showing up. Here it is. So are you ready for some of these prices for an exhibit space at Comic-Con? A 10 by 10 booth is two thousand six hundred dollars. Is that for the weekend or for? That's for the weekend. And by the way, this is for 2013 Comic Con. So these are these prices are four years old now. And the corner premium booth is seven hundred dollars, and an island premium booth was eighteen hundred dollars. A Comic Con table, uh, which, which I'm guessing is even smaller, is uh, nine hundred dollars, and a so, small press table was four hundred. Yeah. So on here it says that for Mile High they wanted eighteen thousand dollars. Which they're not making so – again, you guys. So you have to look at it. Are they making that back in sales of comics? Yeah, no. There's no, no way. Yeah. But speaking of like adding up money and numbers and all this, we want to – I want to talk about this because we, we are talking – like I pointed out before earlier in the episode – Comic-Con is a registered nonprofit. David Glanzer, who he is actually the uh, chief communication strategy officer for Comic-Con International, got real defensive when he was having an interview with Forbes where they're they're asking uh 
how most major conventions in North America are run as commercial businesses, Comic-Con International is actually a non-profit. <laughs> Even though it's the most successful, yeah, yeah. And, expensive con. <laughs> and it says that they reported over $17 million in revenues reported in 2014. And so then he goes and he goes, well, actually, this is a quote from it. He goes, you didn't mention how much it costs to produce both Comic-Con and WonderCon. And it, uh, the reported expenses, which actually in this math that I did, I only treated it as if these were expenses for Comic-Con, but these are expenses for two cons. The administration costs are 728000 That's how much they report they are. Now, I went and did the math, and this year for a four-day pass, it cost $231. It cost $231 for a four-day pass. And they say they get about 135,000 individual attendees. So if you do the math of that, that's $31 million that they stand to make. In ticket prices, and just ticket prices. This isn't counting. This isn't counting the exhibitor passes. This isn't accounting. Or how much booth? Yeah, yeah. How much all of the vendors have to pay them to rent a booth? It doesn't count any of that. That's how much they're making. So they make enough money to pay for two comic cons, and they're still charging the fans two hundred and thirty-one dollars for four days. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was $400. Yet he capped his <laughs> It feels excuse. like it's $400 every time I go. But he went on to say in the same interview, but we're not in the business to make money. We're an educational organization with a mission of promoting comics and popular art. But they're pushing Artist Alley to the back corner. They're giving these huge corporations large spaces on the floor. They're giving them prime space. Oh, 100%. They're they're free advertising. We know the money's in advertising. And then on top of that, they're charging the attendings $231. This is kind of funny to me. that You know when you lie about something and then you have to live with that lie the rest of your life? That they were like, hey, it's a a non-profit, Ray Bradbury. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like they're still holding out that it's a non-profit to educate people about comics. And then I only cap that off with one final question. If you You are indeed an educational organization with a mission of promoting comics and popular art. Why did you copyright Comic-Con? I think that they wanted to. uh, (laughs) I I don't know why I waited for an answer. Yeah, I wanted him to burst through the doors like, listen here, Mr. Wadiway. But that is a strong move. Yeah. That's kind of, so Stan Lee's Kamikaze was the original name that started in 2011. He then changed it to LA Comic Con for that specific reason so that no one could come and make an LA Comic Con. However, Mm -hmm. like if he said... San Diego trademarked the term Comic-Con. Yeah, they they just got into a suit about it. And it actually didn't have to do with Los Angeles Comic-Con because that would be a bold move coming after Stan Lee. But I think they did it for the whole – what was – do you remember when the Fine Brothers did a trademark on reaction videos so, like, no one else could use that term? That's what this reminds uh, me of. So the ruling was handed down in Southern California, which also that was the shitty thing was the case was actually against Salt Lake City Comic Con, but that the, was it. it was handled 
in San Diego. Like, of course San Diego's going to make sure that their cash cow wins that case. They have everything. Like, it just wasn't, that was not a fair trial. It needs to, obviously, look, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to be one. But I think you take it to the next court. That, that's, that's, and I think that's the legal term, is when you don't like a, like a judgment, you look at the judge and go, let's take it to the next court. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, they were going to lose that no way. There was no way that that judge was going to toss that. They're saying it's to protect their brand, but really, what is their brand if your brand is based on the passion of fans? Is that really your brand? Well, and what we're seeing, like we were talking about with the specializations of different cons, now there's Emerald City Con, yep. there's Dragon Con. There's just so many cons that are popping up. Probably you could just look up wherever you're listening. You can literally type in your city and con, and there's probably a convention, some type of nerd convention that is now taking place there. But all in all, through its ups and downs, I feel like Comic-Con is the one place that people still will flock to no matter how bad it gets because it's the one place nerds get to be nerds and be around nerds. I'm, I might disagree with you on that, Ify, because really? I feel like Star Wars fans, mm. if you had to choose, because not everyone has the amount of money to fly to California, get a almost $300 badge, also probably for your – there's a lot of families. We see a lot of families at Comic-Con. So it's not just you. It's your family that you're yeah. traveling with or a partner or a spouse – I truly feel like if you're given the choice, a lot of Star Wars fans are going to go to Star Wars Celebration. Star Wars Celebration has the cast. It drops a lot of news typically there or trailers. I think that they're moving on. I think people are – I think Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con will always be huge. But I think some of these other cons are catching up. And Disney is smart. Disney is capitalizing on that. They're like, you know what? We actually don't need to fly our cast out for this. We're going to put our cast – we're going to put all of our money into this and and promote our movies we're going to promote our people and have exclusives here so that's another thing is exclusives that take place not only just trailers that are dropped or scenes from movies that they'll show there but they also have exclusive toys and merchandise that you can't get anywhere else so i do think that that's uh might but be taking if you had to I choose like the, I, I, however i will say i don't like the precedent it sets when you get to bogard your footage and your stuff so that you can get people to pay for your thing you run into the problem that we're having right now with net neutrality a lot of people are against netflix because they want you to use their shitty version of netflix they want you to use whatever this what what did they put that star trek discovery on uh cbs bullshit you know like i find that instinct not being the idea of oh, let's do this better, the instinct is like, let's cut out the middleman so we can get all the money. And when something's built on that precedent, we get left with worse products. And now that they're able to use their strength as copyright owners to block off other entities from using it, you don't get a better product, you get what you get. I do want to say that... uh... Star Wars Celebration is taking a break this year. What? Yeah, it's not happening. 2018, after three consecutive years. This is the most Star Wars but you we've know, gotten in the I span, know. and they're taking I think, a break. Well, I think it could be. We haven't seen a, as much promotion for the Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. right? I think that the last three years, we had movie, movie, movie. We had Force Awakens. We had Rogue One. We had Last Jedi. 
we have the Han Solo film. So I don't really know what's going on there, but I do know that they're taking a break and that it will take place again in 2019. So Ooh. so that is an issue. So yeah, so those so Star Wars fans are going to probably flock back to San Diego Comic-Con and or D23 uh, since Disney and Star Wars and Marvel are heavily linked. So D23, which I was saying is Disney's official expo, that's for a lot of Disney movie news. Mm. Uh, so they'll drop Aladdin exclusives, yeah. things like that. Well, yeah, that's very interesting, especially about Star Wars celebrations. We'll see what the future holds. And after this break, we'll talk about what the future holds for cons and uh, wrap this whole thing up. What do you think? This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. All right, and we're back. I hope you liked those messages. We worked really hard on them. Or maybe we just were lazy and played uh, Jack and Miles. I, I think that's what we'll do. You know, mix so, it up. So, if we are talking about the future, we're going to predict the future of Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. What's I, your pick? Here's my thing. That if you have been going to Comic-Con the last couple of years, you have realized that some of the things being promoted there have nothing to do with nerddom. They're just some <laughs> CBS show that's airing there. Yeah. Literally, it's so funny now. They'll have, like, procedurals or, like, Kevin can wait or, like, promote. Yeah. You know, they're, like, passing out flyers <laughs> or some interactive thing where I'm like, you you guys aren't even trying anymore. This has nothing to do with nerddom Look, they pay or for sci-fi. That ad space. But they know. <laughs> but that's the thing: is you were right. It is consumerism where where they're capitalizing. These are 
hundreds of thousands of eyes are going to be there. So why not have some type of interactive <laughs> NBC whatever for their upcoming show? They do have that. And it's not – have you reali- Have you been noticing that? It's like this has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. With anything nerd oh, related. Oh, yeah, no. You're just looking around and it's you're like, becoming, what's going on here? It's, why, why am I? I think it's going to be even more commercial than it already is. I agree with the fact that the companies are buying up space. Not only are companies weeding out independent artists inside of the actual con itself, but they are also renting out restaurants and bars in Gaslamp District, which is downtown San Diego, so that you don't even need a badge to go inside for them to get your money and eyeballs. They'll have an interactive show, some type of VR simulation or something where you can take pictures with your friends, you can get tattoos, temporary tattoos or something done that a lot of these brands are doing. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think it's going to go because every year I notice more and more people who aren't necessarily into nerd culture but want to know are there. more about yeah. the next movie and then what's it. because also like you are getting a head start on like the blockbusters of next year when you go. So I think that wave is going to go where it is going to be a media con. It's going to be almost a TV con, a TV and movie con. It is a TV and movie con. That's so correct. Exactly. And that is going to finally lean into that. And then there's going to be the great, 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 great grandson of Bernie Bubness and Ron Fratkin who goes, we need a space for us. But they were the comic book fans. I think you mean Dorf, Alf, and Kruger. They were the Bernie Bubness. I'm talking about my man Bernie Bubness. And Rob Freck and their kids. Okay, whoever but the Dorf, whoever... Kruger, and Alpha are the ones that started the San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, and and killed it, <laughs> and and started. We're talking about my man Bernie Bubness. <laughs> And Rod Fratkin. It is a TV great, movie great con. Great. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And maybe we don't care. I don't know. It seems like people are still showing up. Maybe people are excited. I mean, Conan took over part of the con. Yeah. Conan always does. Conan O'Brien does like live from Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Um, and he had an interactive con where I think you could put on like a Conan head. And that was inside the convention. So there are, uh, I mean, he is a nerdy dude. But yeah. it's definitely masked in a lot of consumerism as like a big commercial for a lot of these television shows that aren't necessarily sci-fi fantasy. Also, I think it's just the simple fact that things that were considered child's play like video games, reading comic books are more and more being found out to be just for everyone. And now everyone can go. And I think shows like Conan are displaying that, which is going to lead to people being more more comfortable being nerdy about things yeah. in general. Not just watching something because they it's on, but really being passionate about the things they watch. And that's why it becomes a TV movie con. And then the great, 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 great grandson of Bernie Buffness <laughs> and Rod Fratkin start their own just for comics con. And so that's going to be the new thing. J, J, just comic. Oh my God, just I would love it. Cons. There are still a couple of those out there, but I would love if someone personally brands themselves as literally nothing but comics. Yeah. Just comics here. Nothing else. And I feel like they would probably sell out, too, if given the money. So we're going to wrap it up here with some of our personal experience, especially as of late, now that we are adults that get to get invited to cons. Yeah. If you do have any particular advice for people going to Comic-Con or your, you know, experiences. Uh, Well, my my biggest advice is just uh, bring bring water. You're definitely going to need it to go. It is in. July in San yeah. Diego. So, you, and and you're just gonna if you pay for water at the con, that's that's a new move, <laughs> and you're going to spend way too much money. 
But I think my favorite Comic-Con moment has to be when I was going through my brony phase. I thought I was a brony. I just like going against the grain. Wait, you got to tell p- people what a brony is. Oh, yeah. A brony is a adult male fan of My Little Pony. And when I when I had this phase, I want to say it was way before it got to where people were like, these guys, something's wrong with them. It's like uh, a cult now, yeah. Yeah. So I got, there was a Pinkie Pie, which is the pink My Little Pony crown that I got from the con. It was one of the freebies. And I went to an Andrew WK show, and my buddy was like, hey, I heard Andrew WK is a brony. And so I gave it to him at the show, and he was like, I'm going to put this somewhere special. And he <laughs> tucked it in his pants. He's a nice guy. Yeah, and he tucked it in his pants. It was a great moment. And I was like, wow, this is cool. We're all being nerdy. I'm at an Andrew WK party and hard show being nerdy. I love Comic-Con. I love Andrew WK. He yeah. follows me. He also follows like thousands of people. My Not me. um what? Go follow he'll probably follow you back. I don't know. Mine, oh God. I got to be on a panel the last two years, and that to me was so surreal because as someone who used to go to the panels and like get the voice actors to sign, you know, my VHS tapes, I got to actually be on a panel and arguing about comics and representation in comics. That was really cool for me. The parties also, I just want to say it has become very Hollywood. I don't know if you feel that way, Iffy. I feel like everyone does. Um <laughs> It's very who's who, who gets into what. There's a lot of after parties. Like Nerdist has an after party, a famous after Playboy. Playboy has an after party yeah. where I went to the after party. Very hard to get into. Who's Party Boy from um, Jackass? Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Okay, so I had an Assassin's Creed metallic wrist wrap from doing the Assassin's Creed obstacle course. Yeah. Which, to get into the Playboy party, you needed a metallic wrist wrap. And so I just kind of flashed it. But, like, also that party boy guy, whatever, was with, like, a bunch of hot chicks. And one had a puppy. And I was like, oh, my God, the puppy. And I was, like, talking. And as they scooch along to get in, I, like, scooched along with them and had my little metallic uh, wristband. Oh, nice. That was my early uh, days of sneaking into parties yeah, uh, yeah. before I was invited. That's a pro tip. Yeah. And uh, when I got into the Playboy party, I was like, wow, a lot of you weren't at the con. Yeah. No. <laughs> because you can tell when people are at the con because they are sweaty. You are gross. You you haven't showered all day. You know, you probably still have your badge around your neck. And then you had people that, you know, look like they had, they were angels. And yeah. I was a sweaty mess. So that's my... Uh, sneaking in my advice you don't have to have a badge to get into the con i mean to actually get into the convention center but you don't have to have a badge to explore the whole town which is totally comic conned up and then also if you are a young person trying to get in you can normally reach out to a lot of these companies that are going to be there and ask if they need volunteers because a lot of times like the people that hand out t-shirts outside of the con stuff like that or or hand out flyers promoting a lot of times they're volunteers and you get a free pass you get a free pass there you go yeah and and yeah i think once again danny makes a great point of you yeah you don't need a badge so if you're local if you're local and you want to go down to comic-con just drive down a day parking's going to be expensive so be ready for that or take uh, the train yeah and just hang out down and you'll be able to get swag you'll be able to hang out take pictures of cosplayers just being in downtown san diego which is i think kind of cool i do too and it's all it's all done up at night as well. So it's a big party scene. And a lot of those bars and stuff have like nerdy drinks and whatnot, nerdy yeah. themed drinks. And the whole bar, I mean, the one that Iffy and I were at this past year was all Dragon Ball Z style. Oh, yeah. And we got to take a shot out of an ice sculpture of Shenron, the dragon from Dragon Ball Z. So yeah, yeah. live your adult wild fantasies. It's, it's amazing. 
But uh, we got to get out of here. So, you know, I'll let you know where you can catch me. You can catch me at If You Way, I F Y N W A D I W E. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at those handles. And uh, you can catch me here and sometimes on the Daily Zeitgeist. Guys. Go ahead and give those guys a subscribe too with us. Uh, don't don't be too busy subscribing them that you forget to subscribe. To us. <laughs> I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez. That's M S Danny D A N I. And then F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z on both Twitter and Instagram. All right. Well, uh, this has been Nerdificent, and we hope you learned something nerdy today. Bye-bye. Bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.